0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied. Lass immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Hallo and welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga Podcast. Um, not Bundesliga, in this show anyways. Um, don't worry, we'll be back with Bundesliga in the end of the week. But this episode is all about the German national team and um you know World Cup qualification is more or less wrapping up and we're getting to see Germany play in these international friendlies, and Hansi Flick experimenting. Um, and I think we we kind of just decided to do a little bit of a special podcast this week during this international break. And as always, helping me with the show is uh, Stefan Pięnkowski. Stefan, how's it going?
0: Yeah, I'm doing very, very well indeed. Um, I had a very funny moment this weekend. Uh, I, I was I was texting you, but texting you about this on Sunday that. I actually had a listener from the show come up to me in the pub on Saturday. I had a rare Saturday night off, so I spent the day um, enjoying the fruits of my labor in a beer garden in Glasgow, actually, in the sun, if you can believe it, in Scotland. Uh, And at one point in the night, a a really nice guy called Dylan came up to me and said hello, and he said he's a big fan of the show, and he wanted to say hello to you as well, Manu, so promise I'll give him a shout on the podcast. Pleasure to meet him. And, yeah, it's always nice to meet, you know, listeners and stuff. And and we're talking to Chris about it, and he says he's bumped in a few in Germany before. So it's always nice. And, yeah, if if any listeners ever come up to us and are wondering, wow, can I buy those guys a beer? Yes, you absolutely can. Come and offer to buy us a beer.
1: Yeah, 100%. (laughs) First of all, it's really cool that you randomly ran into someone. Um, And second... Uh,
0: I should also add, by the way, he is a disgruntled Hertha Berlin fan. Ooh, so I'm sorry. Our, <laughs> yeah, our, con- our, our condolences. And I said, do you have any other teams you might like? And he said, I also like Hamburg. I was like, oh, my God, this poor guy. Oh, man.
1: Uh, my condolences. That That's not great. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, We're not going to talk about Hertha and Hamburg today, but I'm pretty sure we will soon. I think those are two very interesting stories, and I think we're actually going to have a special guest on HS4 at some point. But yeah, we're going to talk about the German national team. We're going to break it up into three parts, defense, midfield, and attack, and I think we're going to start talking about defense after the break. This episode of the Gegenpressing Podcast is brought to you by Online. We're finally here. The top teams in college basketball have been determined, and the final four is set. Looking to wager on these games or the national championships? Head over to betonline.ag on your desktop or your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Believe to get started, that's B-L-E-A-V. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all updated odds and info, along with player props and new contests throughout the year. It's the best source for all our sporting wagering needs, including live betting and everyone's favorite vegas casino and poker game it's super easy to get started so join today learn what everyone is saying bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on sports bet online where the game starts so yeah here we are stefan i think um b- before we before we started this show and we talked a bit offline uh we were saying should we also talk about goalkeepers <laughs> And I don't think we really need to figure out who's the number one unless he breaks both his arms and both his legs. I think he'll be starting, right? And that's Manuel Neuer.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know we talked last week about, uh, you know, how, how nice it would be to have Trap potentially fill into that spot eventually. But, you know, Manuel Neuer has been very vocal about his desire to win this tournament with Germany. He looks back to his best for Bayern, uh, it's 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 not even worth discussing. Manuel Neuer is Germany number one. That's not changing anytime soon.
1: Yeah. So they, it's talking about the thing that is a bit more tricky, and um, I mentioned this also offline before we started the show, and we were talking about the Israel game in particular. And uh, I said, you know, who wasn't terrible it was Jonathan Tah, and you said,
0: careful now. <laughs>
1: Um, because he wasn't he wasn't he he wasn't the one who made a mistake I mean to be honest Nico Schlotterbeck amazing talent probably one of the most talented defenders that we have in Germany at the moment he was the one who made the mistake towards the end giving away a penalty that then Trump saved Um, but I thought Schlotterbeck was very, very good. I actually just thought it was surprising that Tar didn't make any mistakes.
0: Mm. Well, this is the thing about Tar. He's very, very good for Leverkusen for about eighty or ninety percent of the season. But it's that final, it's those big games where it demands like the extra ten or five percent from you that mm. he just seems to crumble, in my opinion. Um, and you know, this is this is a big issue, I think, for Germany going forward. I mean, I know on paper uh, we could go to you know, this year's World Cup and, okay, maybe Antonio Rudiger would be there, Schlotterbeck. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a decent pairing, but beyond them, it gets a little, you know, bare. Uh, I know there's Tilo Kerer who, you know, Flick seems to enjoy using because he can kind of fill in as a right back. And even though I think Germany started with a back four against Israel, it, mm-hmm. if you kind of look yeah. at where the players kind of their average position was, Kerrer was actually more of a kind of defensive fullback, and it allowed Rome to just kind of roam up and down that left wing uh, as a wing back. So it worked quite well, I guess, in terms of the balance. But I, I do kind of think this is a big issue for Germany uh, going forward because, you know, on that left wing, you're either going to have the Hoffenheim defender there who's been so good this season as an attacking player. Or you will have Robin Gosens, who is an, a, an outstanding wing-back as well. So does Flick stick with this kind of defensive fullback to keep the balance? Does he go to a back three? Because then that means you do have to bring in uh, a Jonathan Ta or a Matthias Ginter, who, you know, in my opinion, aren't probably top, top players and are players who would probably quite suspect when Germany's pushing to win a tournament. Um, And then I kind of started thinking about it and I was like, any way you look at this, it kind of makes you think Flick might have to pay. It might have to play Yosha Kimmich as a right back because that's kind of where we are. I think with Germany's defense right now.
1: Unless you play Kara there, right? He was actually sure. pretty good. Um, I mean, it's a bit of an interesting situation for him, in, in that we don't really talk about Tilo Kara that much ever. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of at PSJ um plays decent minutes there not a lot but like it's not an automatic starter but he does play decent minutes let's let's put it this way and um I believe is out of contract not this summer but the summer after and there has been all sorts of, of rumors about him and he is quite flexible can play several positions and I mean like I mean PSG is not a small club um you know if you play there you're probably pretty good um as Truxler founds out, because like, for some reason, he's still back in this lineup, but we're going to talk about him in a moment, I think. But like I think that's where where you see like him play as a right back, because like I don't know, like, I guess in midfield, you have so many options that you could go without Kimmich and you could play him as a right back um, just to maybe make it the long short. Um, so maybe Kimmich will be at a right back. Not sure he would like it, but um, here we are. And there's Benjamin Hendricks as well, Stefan does play mm. for Leipzig and quite well, actually, at times. Mm-hmm. So, um, surprisingly, actually, quite a lot of options. I think that uh, Gosens is the number one at the left-back positions. Raum was very good, um, and I think a very interesting player overall, but I think that Gozens is probably ahead of him in that pecking order.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think so, especially after the performances he put on at the European Championships. Um, but yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how Flick, because he has kind of experimented with a back four and a back three. Um, and, you know, despite obviously how much success he had at Bayern, I don't think it was something that defence wasn't really something that he really prioritised over just making sure you got the tax spot on more often than not. So it'll be interesting to see if, you know, he really focuses on trying to nail this back line, or if he does kind of do with what we've kind of seen so far, where he's like, Oh, right, okay, I'll play centre back at right back, and you know, um, I'll experiment. I don't, I'm not, I, I'm not going to be beholden to playing Mats Hummels or Jerome Boteng always, as maybe Yogi Love was at one point, even though I know he eventually dropped them both. Um, but there's enough talent there, there's enough kind of young talent coming through as well. I'm just not entirely sure. On their day, Germany can put out a back four that would rival maybe some of the best teams in the world. Maybe that doesn't matter, you know. Maybe uh, you know Germany won the World Cup with Mustafi in defence, so <laughs> I mean, you know, like anything's possible. Uh, but um, yeah, I don't know. I just think I think that defence still has a lot of work to do, and I think Flick is probably still trying to experiment with it.
1: I think there's something interesting that Flick said at his press conference about Schlotterbeck giving away the penalty. After Schlotterbeck was maybe one of the best players on the field, I don't think he was the best player. We're going to talk about who I think was the best player in a moment. Um, you know the answer who I think it was, but um, he did say um, that in a World Cup, in the, in the in the World Cup, you can't give away, you can't make mistakes in the last minutes of the games because they can be costly. And I think that was definitely pointed towards Schlotterbeck because there's, this is a friendly who cares. And under Löw there was been, there's been a long history of them messing up friendlies. And I think Flick wants to completely eradicate that thinking that right. friendlies are kind of throwaway games because they breed a culture that, uh, you know, once you once you set certain mechanisms into place, it's hard to get rid of them. And you start up with Germany, that complacency from friendlies very much creeped into tournaments. And I think Flick wants to completely eradicate that, which is why also people are making a lot of, these, um, these results that Germany had under Flick. He's won every single game. And a lot most of these results were against smaller countries. But we have to remember under Löw, those were not given victories. There was a lot sure. of complacency in the squad. And I think Flick is trying to change the culture here. And um, it's interesting that he right away pointed it out, that you can't make mistakes, even in friendlies. Um, and Schlotterbeck was incredible, almost like a playmaker from the back. Um, you know, I haven't seen someone play like this since a, a young Mats Hummels bar- passes from the back, getting involved in the attack. Uh, very dynamic. Um, Whoever is going to get him in the, in the summer, whether it's Bayern or Dortmund, I think it's probably Dortmund, um, is going to get a really good defender here. Um, someone who's only 22, right? And I think he is probably going to be one of the starters. And I, if I would nail it down right now, Stefan, it would be Schlotterbeck and Rüdiger.
0: Yeah, I think that's the... That, that seems to me like the most logical one it would be interesting to see what happens with Rudiger this summer because mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of clubs apparently interested him, in him um, he's had a very good season with Chelsea but you know he's not the youngest by any means I mean I'm not, I'm not suggesting that he's old at all he's only 29 but you know if, 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 if Flick is looking at this squad and thinking right well I'm I'm the new head coach I'm going to have to build a squad here um who do I build it around? And it probably is going to be Schlotterberg. And Rudiger will probably play as a, as a company and part of that. Um, mm. But yeah, no, I, I I totally agree with you. And I think we'll just have to kind of see what happens going into the future.
1: The experienced centre-back in Rudiger and the young and up-and-coming centre-back, the future in Nico Schlotterberg, I think that makes for a good pairing. And then I think left is going to be Gosens and then right. you Now that, that you put it in my head, I actually think it could be Kimmich.
0: Well, I've got a theory as to why it might be Kimmich, but we could talk about that in the next section.
1: Yeah, because like we are going to talk about the midfield after this break. This episode of the Gegenpressing broadcast is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of athletic greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery focus and aging. It's also a lifestyle friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artific- artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it to make it easy athletic greens is going to give you a free 1 year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and five free travel packs with so your first purchase all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com/believe that's b l e a v again that's athleticgreens.com/believe these statements have not been evaluated by food and drug administration these products are not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease athletic greens take ownership of your health yeah Midfield. Um,
0: that's should probably I, where
1: Kimmy w- wants to be, right?
0: Yeah. Should I just dive into my theory?
1: Yes, go for it.
0: So I wonder if the reason. So the interesting one about in, in this international break, and we are recording this before the Holland game, so this might completely change afterwards. But the thing that kind of made was very interesting for me was the fact that obviously Julian Weigel was back in the team. And the kind of resurgence he's had at Benfica. And the interesting thing to me about Weigel is that when he plays well, there's not a huge amount of German players who play like him. Uh, You know, he's very smart on the ball, he's a very good reader of the game, he's more than happy to just sit in the hole there and not go anywhere. And if you kind of look at the players that Germany have in midfield, you know, you got uh, Neuhaus, you got, well, Musiala's one, I suppose, technically. Um, Gundogan, even Kimmich, even though you know, he has played as a defender for much of his career, he actually more often than not is a box-to-box player. Goretzka as well, once he returns to fitness, is a box-to-box player too. So I wonder if Kimmich, uh, Flick rather, has looked at this and thought, well, if I can get the best at Weigel, it means I have that holding midfield position nailed down. Uh, and it then means I can play him alongside someone like Gundogan, as he did against Israel, and Musiala, who perhaps a little more... Who can be more attack-minded. Musiala certainly is, but Gundogan can kind of just... He's a kind of of jack-of-all-trades. He can kind of play any role that you need him to play. But I think, crucially, Weigl in that midfield means you don't need Kimmich in that midfield. And it then means you can kind of move Kimmich out to right-back or right-wing-back without the fear of maybe hoping that someone like a Gundogan uh, or a Neuhaus or a Goretzka... Will do the defensive work, which isn't really their strong f- suit. So, you know, I've been really interested to see how Vigo does against Holland. And a lot of people listening to this right now will probably be doing that, maybe, or, or they already have. But going into the World Cup this year, will be interesting to see if Vigo does does continue played a, a stronger and stronger role for Germany.
1: Yeah, that's a really good theory. Um, and Stach, too, right? Anton Stach comes in yeah. from Mainz, and they were also talking as him as a possible Kimmich replacement. And now that you're saying that, both are probably Kimmich replacements because Kimmich might play a different role. And it, it does kind of make sense. And there's a lot of midfielders in this team. You mentioned Neuhaus. Uh, Gundogan, I think, is a, is a locked-in starter unless he's he's not healthy, right? Um, he, he definitely is going to get started. And he, he wore the captain's armband in this game, too which tells you quite a bit about how important uh, Flick thinks he is. Um, Obviously Neuer is going to be the captain when he's back, but um, for the time being, it was Gundogan. And that's, yeah, I I think you might be right because it's going to be Gundogan and then it could be Weigel, Goretzka, Neuhaus, Stach, um, you name it, right? Maybe even Musiala if he drops back. Um, So it makes sense. Kimmich might be that right back. And... um, We had that situation, of course, before when when Flick was still with the German national team under Joachim Löw that they had Philipp Lahm, who really wanted to play midfield uh, because that was where Pep Guardiola put him. And they tried that at the World Cup. And this is where Mustavi comes in. And Germany probably won the World Cup because Mustavi got hurt and that forced Löw to play Lahm as a right back. Um, And that probably ended up them winning the World Cup um, because Mustavi was definitely... A little bit of a danger zone on the right there, so <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's quite possible that Kimmich will have to bite the same bullet and land it.
0: Yeah, he's almost a victim of his own success, isn't he? Yeah, um, but yeah, I, this is what's always going to happen with Germany because they always produce so many good, outstanding uh, midfielders. Um, but unlike at Bayern Munich, where they desperately desperately need more midfielders Flick has a whole array of players I mean this team this current squad for these international games doesn't even have Goretzka in it um you know who would be starting no matter what Dahoud as well is another one who's had a strong season for Dortmund so there's a whole range of players who can kind of fill in that in in, in that in in that team uh especially in the kind of chemic role and kind of leave him to play at right back and I think it offers more balance there to have him out there. Um, and yeah, I mean, the only other thing that's kind of interesting to me is that when you kind of look through that roster of midfielders in this in this team right now, there's a lot of players there who could end up having quite turbulent summer transfer windows. Mm. You know, um, Florian Neuhaus is one who his season's kind of unraveled, not his season, sorry, his career's kind of unraveled a bit at Gladbach. He was going from strength to strength, and form, and he seems to be distracted by interest from elsewhere. He had, I wouldn't say he's had a very really good season. Whether he moves on or has another summer of rumours and doesn't really get his head straight, we have to wait and see. Gundogan's another one who's waiting for a new contract at Man City. There's rumours that he might be leaving, um, and then there's guys like Julian Draxler, Julian Brandt, who you know, just kind of seem to be at a point in their careers where they have to maybe figure out whether they want to move down a level to get more regular game time. Mean, I know Brandt has played a lot for Dortmund right now, but there's a lot of stories in the German press right now that he'll be one of the players who moves on for, uh, you know, a couple of million pounds to kind of fund things elsewhere. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with these, these kind of backup players in this team. But I think on the whole... It would be really interesting to see what happens with Weigel. That that's was that been my kind of main thing that I've been watching over this international break. Why is Weigel in that team? Is he there mm. to replace Kimmich? Let's see what happens going forward.
1: Yeah, I think your your theory about Weigel is a good one. Um, I didn't think of it before you mentioned it, but now that you have, I can't get it out of my head. It, it makes total sense. It absolutely does, especially because he's been very good for Benfica, deep Champions League run too, and you know he's he's looked very good there. Um, yeah, uh, going a little bit further up the field nowadays, I want to talk about a guy who I think is one of the most elegant players I've seen play for Germany in a very long time, and I made this. Uh, bear with me here. I made this statement before we recorded this podcast and then you said right away we should be Robbie recording this but he reminds me oddly enough of a little bit of a mix between Michael Balak and Thomas Müller uh, and I'm talking about Jamal Musiala here okay. he's he's quite tall um, very lanky which is the kind of traits that obviously you get from from Thomas Müller but there's some fr- something very majestic about as well and for a player his height and uh, his stature he's also very good in one v one situations yeah. um he combines a lot of traits um in, in in one player like he has that vision the opening pass he's very intelligent he can play deep he can play in the in in a front three attacking midfield role he can play as a number eight He can play as a number 10 uh, I bet you he could also play as a false number nine, um, like Müller does. And that, that's the, a lot of parallels to Muller's, But like his vision and his playing intelligence reminds me a lot of Balak. And like also the kind of way he, he carries himself sometimes on the field. Obviously way more dynamic than that. Um, and I was saying to you, if there was one player, because England and Germany both wanted him, right? And he, he could have played for both. Um, if there was one player that neither side could afford to lose, it would have been him. Um, neither England or Germany could afford to lose him because he fits a player profile that neither country have a lot of players. Germany don't have a lot of 1v1 players. England have quite a few, but they don't have a 1v1 player with great vision. Oh. Um, you know, and Germany have a few 1v1 players, not as many as England, um, but they don't have a natural Müller replacement. And I think Muziala will be that guy. And I, Every time I get to see, and I was lucky enough to see him live in stadium earlier this year, uh, earlier this season, not this year, and um, I'm hopefully to see him at the end of the season again when I'm going over to Germany. He's a player I'm genuinely looking forward to watch every time I'm going to a live game. And there's not many, but there is, he's one of them, Stefan. He is just a magnificent player. He is just a brilliant, brilliant guy to watch. And you just know that he, when he is the, on the ball, he will do something special.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously people who listen to the show know exactly who he is, what he can do. Um, you know, in terms of promise, I think there's maybe only one or two players who can rival him in this Germany team. Um, I think it's really him, Havertz and Wurtz who are the three kind of shining stars for Germany going forward. In an attacking sense, I guess maybe... You know, Adeyemi, slotted. maybe. Possibly, yeah, Yemi as well. Um and obviously Schlotterbeck in the defensive role, I suppose. But it's it's really interesting like how the way you were describing him and how much joy you got out of watching him play against Israel. And it made me think, um, why hasn't this been happening for Bayern Munich this season? Don't get me wrong, I think he has had a good season for Bayern, but we've been on record on this show a number of times talking about kind of scratching our heads as to why, well, at least I have, as to why Nagelsmann seems to be determined to play him as a central midfielder and not just in midfield, but almost like a box-to-box player when it seems to be like his talents undoubtedly lie in attack, you know? And the really interesting thing for me um, kind of watching that Israel game was that where Germany under Yogi Love used to look so one-dimensional and Everything was based around this concern over who's going to play up front. You now have this really dynamic front line. Now, I know Julian Draxler was playing in that team, and uh, he's, 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 I, I think of Draxler he as wasn't almost, horrible. No, 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 it wasn't horrible. And this is the thing, I actually think he's almost like a, it's, it's, it's quite, a, it's quite a, what's the best way to describe it? He's a tragic figure in German mm. football because I think people forget just how incredible Julian Draxler was when he came through. Um, You know, he was... I mean, to describe him to people who maybe didn't watch him, at, you know, Schalke, Wolfsburg, whatever, he was almost like a Kevin De Bruyne, before Kevin De Bruyne to an extent. Mm-hmm. And he's just kind of allowed his career just to kind of fritter away at, in Paris, which is a real shame. I mean, I think he might be really pushing for a move, possibly back to the Bundesliga next season, which would be great because he's 28, so he's still got plenty of time left to kind of turn his career around. But... The thing about Draxler and what you were saying about Musiala there is that he's tall. You know, he's a big, tall player who can really gallop up and down that wing. You've then got Kai Havertz as well, who just seems to be, you know, becoming more and more of like this, um, you know, all encompassing centre forward. I mean, the way that I have th- watched him play against Israel, he looked like a like a, a, a like a complete forward, a guy who can you know outpace his runner, his defenders, uh, the guy who can kind of dance by markers when they try and go one on one with him. But then he's also the guy who can outleap everyone and score ahead of the front post. And when you then add some like Timo Werner to that lineup who, okay, he's not had a great season, but what people forget about Werner is that he's so hard to play against because physically his attributes are insane. You're talking about a guy who's like a sprinter uh, who's he's a very smart player. I don't think he gets enough credit for the movement that he does off the ball as well, which is obviously why Thomas Tuchel still values him so much. But you can find those four players. You've got four quick, tall, strong players, and that's a nightmare for any defence to come up against. You know, And it'll be interesting to see what Flick does going forward because obviously there was this clamour for Thomas Müller last season because Germany were all out of ideas up front. Now you've got these four players... You've got Leroy Sani, who's finally beginning to look like his old self at Bar Munich. You throw in maybe a Marco Royce in there if you want to kind of go. Mm-hmm. We're not even talking about Adiyemi. Serge Gnabry is obviously a very consistent player for Germany as well, you know. Yeah. So we I know we've just kind of transitioned into the attacking stage. I was just Scott gonna game. say,
1: like this this is where we're gonna talk about the attack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so if you're looking for the next point on the final segment of this episode, we're just moved into that. He's <laughs> <laughs> um, like, you, you're 100% right. Like, I was just thinking, why are you listing all these names? Like, what about Royce? What about Gnabry? What about Adeyemi? Who's like, mm-hmm. not in the squad right now either and has a very good season for Salzburg.
0: Um, it's a lot of options there all of a sudden. And um, yeah, exactly. And then obviously there's Florian Furtz too, it probably would have been in the squad if he hadn't unfortunately picked up an injury. And he's
1: probably going to make the World Cup when you when you believe the, the timelines that some of the people have put out, yeah. right? Yeah, um, because, because he might be back in September and so he would have like two months yeah. to get ready.
0: And I thought it was really um, interesting. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Flick was asked about this and he was like, well, you know, Kadira had a similar issue and he came back in time. And I think it just kind of goes to show the kind of strength that Verts has made this season where maybe mm-hmm. last season we were talking about, okay, maybe you know, a couple more seasons with the under-21s or something, and he might get a call-up. But now Hansi Flick's now saying, no, look, I expect this guy to be fit for the World Cup. And presumably, he now thinks, I've got a spot for him in my team, you know? So, I think mm-hmm. I honestly think Verts and Musiala are almost quite similar, and they they, they, they they kind of take up similar positions in the squad. So, I think they're actually quite light-for-light light players. Um, except maybe Mustiella can play it wide if necessary, cause, so he can maybe fit into the kind of role that maybe Draxler was playing against Israel. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because when I look at the squad, maybe for so long it was kind of like, well, how did how did Germany kind of fix their attack? I actually think there are lingering but issues for them are in defence, but I think this front line, mm-hmm. um, I think it looks like it's got a lot of options, it's got a lot of promise, and. You know, I honestly think in Kai Havertz, Germany have probably one of the most exciting young forwards in European football right now. A guy who genuinely looks like he could do everything.
1: See, this, this is this um, is. I'm glad you you finally brought him up because for me, he is the answer for the number nine position. Hmm. Um, for so many years, we've been looking for a guy who could be getting at the end of set pieces and. He scores that first goal against Israel with a header from a set piece. And um, we're talking about Weirds and we're talking about Muziala, and, um, you know, and then we're talking about guys like Nabri and Royce and Müller. Um, I think all these guys are going to play significant roles. And then you have guys like Adiyemi and uh, Lucas Nemcha, who I think are going to be in the squad, but I think they're going to struggle for playing time because. At the end of the day, I think Harvard's is playing up top mm. as a number nine. Yeah. And um, that makes total sense because he has the aerial presence. He um, He's another guy who I always think a little bit of Balak. Um, and that's his aerial presence, uh, and in some other ways, I think a lot of he actually like his movements sometimes remind me a bit about Miroslav Klose. Mm. Um, perhaps with the difference that Havertz needs to eat a steak every once in a while because the boy is light. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but like, he's so successful on that at times with Chelsea as well, isn't he? Mm. And we always wonder, it's like, oh, who's going to play number nine for Germany? It's like, yeah, it's probably going to be Kai. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and do you know what? As well as well, he he plays so well with Timo Werner because they yeah. play together every week at Chelsea, and they're basically the best of friends. You know, it's, it's it seems like a silly thing to that it should matter, but if you go on Chelsea's YouTube channel, they they've just it's just constant videos that they're doing, with funny videos of Werner and Kai Havertz because the guys they're obviously good friends. They have a German coach and Thomas Tuchel who knows exactly how to get the best out of them. And that makes Hansi Flick's job so much easier this year leading up to World Cup, where he can say, I don't even have to double think about how I get my two strikers to play well together because they they, they train together every week with each other. Timo Werner knows exactly how to play with Kai Havertz. Chelsea fans might listen to this thinking, oh, well, you know, I'm I'm not so sure if I like the idea of the two of them playing for Chelsea, but um, just because obviously Werner maybe hasn't lived up to his potential there. But... I I think I think that's a perfect match for Germany and I think Flick will be delighted at the thought that he's got these two players who play together every week. Thomas Tuchel knows what he's doing with them. He could pick up the phone and speak to Tuchel anytime he wants about how yeah. they're getting on and he's like, right, great, take that off the list. I don't have to worry about it.
1: Yeah, and Flick is big when it comes to chemistry. I mean, this is, was a big part of his job um, working under Löw at the at a successful 2014 World Cup and you have to remember too people take a look at this Germany squad and then they look at teams like France and say like oh look how much depth France have and how good they are and you always have to remember at the end of the day it's only the first 11 players that matter and tournaments are not decided by necessarily the best squads, but, but it's the squads that have the best chemistry. You, you see that at the last last year's U21, where France came with essentially what would be the senior national team for most teams, and they went out in the quarterfinals, right? And mm-hmm. then Portugal played Germany in the final, another team that was extremely talented, and they still lost because the German team that it wasn't quite as talented had the best chemistry. And in tournaments, that matters more than anything else. We've seen this, of course, when national teams crash out of tournaments, uh, France is a great example of the Euros where there was internal issues between, I think it was um, Mbappe and Benzema, right? Mm. Um, we've seen this before with France in uh, 2000, 2010. Uh, we've seen it with Germany in 2018 where there was a lot of internal issues. At the end of the day, talent is important, yeah, but it's actually team chemistry and the, first 11, the, the rest of the team supporting the first 11 that wins you the tournament. And I think this is where Flick is really good. Um, maybe transition to our last position here, which is the head coach. And I think this is where he's going to make the biggest difference. Right. Because he can he can put people in a camp for two weeks and say, we have one goal and one goal only, and that's to win the World Cup. Like you saw him with Bayern, right, when they won the Champions League in that, a tournament format. Hmm. Um, he's very good at this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's a job that he's been almost like he's been training his whole career to have. He wasn't interested. I mean, how many coaches turned down Bayern Munich to go take another job, never mind an international job? So you're absolutely spot on about the fact that international football, from a fan's perspective, is usually, hey, let's play the best 11 players Germany have right now, but the very best international managers are building squads. They're building long-term squads. They're trying to create chemistry. Um, and that's why I kind of mentioned the Timo Werner Kai Havertz thing because that's such a huge part of how international teams succeed if they play together uh, mm. week in week out. So yeah, it's looking very it's very encouraging ahead of the of, ahead of the World Cup. I think Germany have made huge strides since the Euros last year when you know it really looked like the end of an era. Yeah. Uh, but it's, there's a lot of promise, a lot of a lot of things to get excited about.
1: We haven't played a big nation yet. That will change, of course, with the Netherlands. And um, we're probably going to have a little bit of a reaction on that. And later down this, and a, a podcast still coming, maybe. Um, but um, it's like, yes, like playing and winning against small countries is one thing. But it, Germany didn't used to do this in the final years under the Louvre. And I think this is really where I'm seeing the biggest difference. I see a Germany team that actually enjoys playing football. And I think that was the one thing that I took away the most from it. Like, yeah, they could have scored another two or three goals against this Israel team. Sure. Um, But the point really was, it was actually fun to watch. Um, And I haven't had that in the final years of the Löw era. And under Flick, we've had that. Like, every game was actually enjoyable to watch. And I think this is maybe my last takeaway from this, Stefan, that it's actually fun again. And even if they don't win the tournament... Um, it won't matter because we know now that they're actually going to play good football.
0: Yeah, I I couldn't agree more, to be honest with you. Um, It's very exciting. And yeah, obviously the Holland game will be really interesting. Obviously, listeners maybe already know how that game went. Maybe they got thumped 5-0 and... Everything we said It'll in those podcasts like means nothing at all. But uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, we'll see what happens. And but no, I think as things stand, very encouraging for Germany as things look as as things look going forward this year as well.
1: Exactly. Well, that's it from this week. Uh this show is presented to you over BET Online. Uh, please leave us a review if you've listened to this point. I really encourage that, it really helps us grow this show as well. And yeah, reach out anytime. If you see us in a pub and you want us to buy a beer, great. We really appreciate that as well. And until next time, auf Wiedersehen.